0: Good morning. good morning! Welcome to worship at Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor with us this morning, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. We do have visitors' cards in the, po- in the pew in front of you. If you'll just take one and fill it out, you'll drop it in the offering plate as that comes by. Just a few announcements to share with you all this morning. Uh, The Week of Prayer for International Missions and Lottie Moon Christmas Offering Collection begins today. Prayer guides are available um, at entrances to guide us through the week with recommended prayer needs. And so if you will look, um, they are on the, the pews. You'll find them there. Ladies going to Caswell February 22nd through the 24th need to turn in $170 to the church office this week. Next Sunday is the final day to register, so ladies, please be aware of that deadline. Children in the Angel Choir, Instruments of Christ, and youth in FSYC, please don't forget this Wednesday um, there will be a pizza party for you all um, right before your practice um, as you prepare for the program you all will have next Sunday evening. There's also a family advent guide on each side. Um, over here on the pews for any families uh, wanting to participate in that. It has a weekly Bible reading as as, as well as some activities as well um, to prepare you and your family for Christmas. And so if you would like to grab one of those packets, you are more than welcome to do so. Finally, you will notice in your bulletin today that our call to worship is of the Father's love. In the middle of this song, I will invite you to join with me in reading responsively the Advent, Advent Responsive reading found in your bulletin. So make sure to have that handy so that you can take a look at that when I come up um, to the pulpit. Sorry, can't think. Um, so that you can participate in, in that reading as well. And you will read the words printed in bold. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we gather in this sacred space to celebrate the first Sunday in Advent. God, as we prepare ourselves for this special season by decorating our sanctuary, I pray that we would also begin to prepare our hearts as well. Help us to focus on the true meaning of this Christmas season, the birth of King Jesus. And God, as we think about what that birth means to us as Christian people, I pray that we will also be filled with hope in the knowledge that one day you're coming back again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Let's just use yours. Well, this isn't our normal time, and you made it. We're excited that you're here. Uh, This is a tradition that we have done for the last, I guess, 13 years to decorate our sanctuary. I want to say a word of thanks to Mary Lou uh, for doing a lot of legwork. I want to thank every person who in just a very few moments is going to be busy as a bee hanging stuff and putting stuff up uh, to our choir for bringing in our poinsettias uh, and to uh, the staff for helping us get this to this point. This is the first Sunday of Advent, and the reason we're doing it this way without an evening service is that we wouldn't be able to do the Advent wreath without having a Sunday before, and for the next couple of years, this is how it's going to fall. So we'll see what you think about it after we're done. I want to thank Sunday school teachers for uh, adjusting and getting us all here together. And we may have some folks still coming in who didn't get the memo, and that'll be fine as well, okay? And so now, we will prepare to to decorate our church with the hanging of the greens. Today, we are continuing our tradition of decorating our sanctuary for Christmas, the coming of Christ, but in a new way. Instead of the evening service, we're doing it now. Listen to this. We're connecting the old tradition in a new way. And that's really always the goal of Christmas, is to celebrate the gift that came 2,000 years ago in a new way.
0: The evergreens that will soon adorn our sanctuary are fresh in their color, fresh in their fragrance. How long they have symbolized the Christ who is everlasting and eternally the same. Yet even earlier, Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah 60, 13... The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the fir tree, the pine, and the box tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make it the place of my feet glorious. The greenery we use should never be thought of as merely decorative. We should think of it as symbolic of the everlasting gift given at Christmas signifying a blessing both in our homes and the church.
1: That's the message of the evergreen, the wreath. In the Old Testament, regular sacrifices were required to stay in right relationship with God. God's love must have seemed temporary and conditional. With the coming of Christ, we see that God's love is eternal, a sacrifice that made once for all for all our sins. The circle of the wreath reminds us of god himself his eternity and endless mercy which has no beginning and no ending being circular the wreath reminds us of god's love that it's eternal never ending not based on what we do the green of the wreath speaks of the hope that we have in god the hope of newness of renewal of eternal life The evergreens remind us of the spiritual life we are promised through Christ Jesus. Though we die, we shall live forever because of his great gift of grace.
0: The poinsettia. This flower speaks symbolically in several ways. First of all, the star-shaped formation of red leaves calls to mind the star which shone at the first Christmas. The color of the flower is blood red. This reminds us of the blood of the male infants killed by Roman soldiers as King Herod sought to eliminate any threat to his throne. We sometimes forget this part of the story which made Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus' trip to Egypt a necessity. The blood red also symbolizes the babe of Bethlehem's manger who became the savior of the world as he shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary.
1: The Advent wreath and the Advent candles. The Advent wreath and candles are a vivid symbol of preparation. The lighting of a new candle each of the four weeks before Christmas reminds us that something is happening, but more is yet to come. The evergreens remind us of the everlasting covenant offered in the birth of Jesus. The four candles symbolize that Christ is wonderful counselor, our hope, mighty God, our joy, prince of peace, our peace, everlasting father, our love. On Christmas Eve, we'll light the Christ candle and proclaim Emmanuel, God with us.
0: The Christmas tree originated in Germany during the 1500s. According to a legend, Martin Luther, while walking through the forest on Christmas Eve, was so moved by the beauty of the starlit fir trees that he brought one indoors and decorated it with candles. This is where we get our tradition of putting lights on our Christmas trees. Luther compared the Christmas tree with its top pointing up to heaven to hands folded in prayer pointing to God. Luther topped his tree with a star to commemorate that star which guided the wise men to the Christ child. This is where we get our tradition of topping the Christmas tree with a star. Sometimes we place an angel at the top of the Christmas tree. This symbolizes the angels that proclaimed Christ's birth to the shepherds in Bethlehem. We decorate the tree with symbols of the faith called chrismons. Chrismon is a combination of two words, Christ and monogram. Monogram, of course, means initials or symbols for a particular person. The chrismon tree bears symbols or monograms about Jesus, our Savior, Each Mon uses only white and gold to symbolize Christ's purity and royalty. Listen as the children and youth explain the meanings of the symbols that will decorate our tree in the atrium.
2: The waters were baptized.
3: daisy, toward the end of the fifteenth century, the daisy became a popular symbol for innocent for the innocent.
1: As you look at the sanctuary now, it is completely undressed, and especially this table. This is a table where generally we have flowers, but in just a very few moments, we're going to have the figures that tell the story that we celebrate every Christmas. But as we started to do what happened so long ago in a new way, that's our mission. That's a growing Christian. That's a growing disciple is to do it in a new way. How could the creator of the world become a babe? How could the king of kings be found in a feeding trough rather than in a palace? How could God in the flesh Be in the arms of the Virgin rather than in the Holy of Holies. The scene set with animals and shepherds, a special tired couple and a little baby is so unbelievable. It must be recreated in our churches and in our homes in what we call a nativity scene. Just to remind us, just to remind us, it's not a story, it's the truth, it is true. Now, as we sing page 89 in your hymn book, O come, all ye faithful, you may remain seated, but those that are coming, would you now plan to come? and prepare our sanctuary for Christmas.
3: We're going to sing one verse of A Way in a Manger. You don't need to look it up in your book. Just look up here and sing. Be ready to do responsive
1: reading?
0: During Advent, we wait for the one promised in Scripture, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We wait for the one who will bring answers to a world filled with questions, and he will be called Wonderful
2: Counselor.
0: We wait for the one who can heal what has been wounded and mend what has been broken, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We wait for the one who can renew our weary spirits and ignite our hearts with hope. And And he he will be be called called Wonderful Counselor.
3: Today we light the first candle, the candle of hope, reminding us that Jesus was not only to be their Savior, but also to be our wonderful counselor, the one who hears our prayers with compassion and who offers guidance when we seek it. As we begin the season of Advent, we remember that our rest can be found in God, and through the gift of God's Son, our hope is forever restored. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your promises and for coming to earth as our wonderful counselor. As we begin our Advent journey, help us to know the abiding hope that comes from knowing that you will keep our prom- your promises to us. May we radiate that hope in everything we say and do. We pray this in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. you'll take your hymnal and turn to number 77 come thou long expected jesus let's
1: stand as we sing
0: thank you for this day to allow us to come into your house and hear your word father we thank you for your son Jesus we might continue the Thanksgiving season and remember the reason for this season now we ask that you might bless those that are sick need your healing hand bless the caregivers also bless you ask that you bless those that are protecting us daily as we go through our lives now father we ask that you bless these tithes these offerings so that we might use them wisely to further your kingdom in Jesus name I pray amen
1: O'Hara Rose, air
0: Well, good morning. good morning. How are y'all? Good. Good. So, guess what? It's official. We have entered into the Christmas countdown period. Every day now we will see it in newspapers. We'll hear it on the radio, television, Facebook, everywhere. 24 shopping days until Christmas. 23 shopping days until Christmas. One shopping day left until Christmas. All around us there will be signs that Christmas is coming. What are some signs that you see? How do you know that Christmas is coming? What do you see?
2: Um, I see see a Christmas tree. A
0: Christmas tree, yeah. Putting up a Christmas tree and putting lights and decorations on it. What else do you see to know that Christmas... Yeah, people shopping for gifts. Allie, what else do you see? Um, I see um, ornaments on the tree. Ornaments on the tree. What else? I see baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Okay, Buck. I see lights on the, I see lights on the
2: Christmas tree.
0: Lights on the Christmas tree. And where else do you see lights? Trees outside in people's houses. Sometimes they decorate outside their house, right? What else, Reese, do you see? The manger scene. scene. Okay, one more thing. What else do we see? Sometimes you might see these things hanging at a little bowl, but Okay, decorations hanging down. Okay, there are plenty of signs that Christmas is coming. But 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was born, there were no big signs to announce that this was going to happen. There were no ads on the radio or TV saying, Coming soon, a Savior will be born in a stable near you. When Jesus was born, many people were surprised. But as word of his birth spread, some people remembered that prophets had told them that God was going to send a Savior. They knew that this baby, born in a stable was God keeping his promise. Christmas is not only a wonderful time to celebrate the birth of Jesus, it's also a time for that Jesus promised that he would come again. We don't read much about that in newspapers and we don't hear much talk about it on the radio or television, but Jesus told us to be prepared and to watch for his return. As we look forward to Christmas Day, we also look forward to the day when Jesus will come again. Today, Um, Miss Martha and Mr. Tony lit the candle of hope on our Advent wreath. Just as the people of Israel found hope in the promises of God, we find hope in Jesus' promise that he will come again. Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for keeping your promise to send a Savior. We also thank you for the promise that he will return again to take us to our home in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: And they, along with our children, our Instruments of Christ, and our FSYC will be sharing a program next Sunday evening with us, and we are delighted about that. As they are leaving, look around the sanctuary, look behind you if you can, and around it is changed. That's what Christmas does when we catch the real meaning of this special holy time. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father I wonder today what you might do in my heart in our heart Lord I'm convinced that I don't have the knowledge or the understanding to be able to say a word or say words that could cause someone to go, wow, I need to make a change in my heart, in my life, in my attitude, in my spirit, in my dedication, in my stewardship. I just, Lord, I know I don't have those words. And I'm okay with that, God. Because I also know that your Holy Spirit has the power to change hearts and to change lives and to change our whole direction, to change our attitude, to change our family, to change our community. And God, I pray on this first Sunday of Advent. for the Holy Spirit to fall fresh. If there's a decision that we've been making we need to rearrange, God, may your Holy Spirit speak to our heart. If there's a pattern in our life that we know is unpleasing to you, God, would your Holy Spirit speak to us about that pattern? Oh, God, wonderful Counselor. Would you speak to us and direct our thought and our thinking that we might, with the shepherds, find our way to Bethlehem and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? In Jesus' name we ask, amen. thank you both the angel choir and our sanctuary choir love comes gently powerful words our text for christmas i was looking through my notes and i did this in 2011 and we do it again in 19 we will take isaiah chapter 9 that great prophecy and in that I guess description of what Christmas is all about. Just three chapters earlier the prophet tells us that King Uzziah has died and in that moment Isaiah has this vision of heaven. He sees the Lord high and lifted up and He's given a message. He says, Go and tell people, but they won't listen. Go and show people, but they won't see. Now, I'm just going to tell you that's discouraging if you're the speaker. If you're the one giving the message, if God says, I want you to go do this, but nobody's going to listen, I want you to go share this, but no one's going to follow what you share. But that was the assignment. You can read it in Isaiah chapter 6 that God told Isaiah to do. He mentioned a remnant. A small group. A leftover group that would stay faithful. A group that although everything looked against them still it would be okay. And I wonder today sometimes about my own life and maybe you wonder about yours. Am I part of that group that just will not quit? That just will not be defeated? That just will not be discouraged? Although, my goodness, there are discouraging things around us. And in the midst of this, as he is talking he keeps reminding. In fact, it's in chapter 8, verse 10, that the first time Isaiah uses the Hebrew word Emmanuel. And it just reads in our text at the end of chapter 10, for God is with us. That's good news. In 2019, that's good news. In a culture that has moved as far in. Ways away from the teachings of scripture. And in a time when the traditions of the church are being attacked. It is good to know that God is with us. And then in chapter 9 he gives us this tremendous prophecy. We're going to read verses 6 and 7. I'd invite you, if you're able, to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's word, Isaiah chapter 9. And the prophet, as he's talking about all the problems, he comes to this point and he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the ruling, Not the Democrats and the Republicans. Not the three branches of government. Not the president and the Congress and the courts. But the ruling of the world. The government. The governing. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. will do this. May God add his blessing to the reading of his most holy word. Would you pray with me? Lord, for a moment, would you speak to us? Would you direct our thoughts to hear your voice, to receive your counsel, to understand, God, maybe what you've said through the the decorating and the symbols of Christmas that now surround our sanctuary, maybe through the children's sermon, maybe through the hymns we're singing, maybe through the prayers we're praying. And Lord, always through your word, would you speak to us? We who have an ear, let us hear what the Spirit says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Israel, all the way up until when Jesus was born, looked at the prophecies, looked at Scripture and read them this way, that one day God was going to send a king of kings, a master of the world, and that he was going to set the kingdom of God On this earth. And that's what you and I celebrate at Christmas. But it didn't look exactly like they thought it would. And and you can understand to some degree. It makes sense to some degree. They thought the only way they could think. Lest they allow the Holy Spirit to change their thinking. That it would be a king, a military king, a mighty king, a diplomatic kind of king, a ruler like a president, like, like a charismatic, devout leader that when he stood up, people would follow. Jesus came out of the little town of Bethlehem, born to a carpenter's son, or a carpenter who was dealing with a scandal on his hands. Because in a culture where one becoming pregnant outside of wedlock truly would lead to stoning nine out of nine times, the king of kings and the Lord of lords would be born. surrounded by problems Herod would send his soldiers to commit emphasize to try to make sure this king that he thought because he listened to the everyday rhetoric might challenge his throne. into this kind of difficult world where Israel was far from being great, a vassal nation under the rule of Rome and Rome not happy with them. A once great and proud people were now forced to do things they couldn't understand and they wanted a deliverer like Moses. They wanted someone to stand and hold up a staff and the armies of Israel prevail over Rome. And that never was the intent. Now, I wonder what our intent is. If I were to ask you, what's God doing in your life? What's God up to in your world right now? I have a theory. I haven't tested it. I have no way of testing it. But each of us can do this inventory within our own life right now, and we can answer this question for ourselves. We may not can answer it for the person sitting close to us, but we can answer it for ourselves. Is God King of Kings and Lord of Lords in our life? Our first words are wonderful counselor. Have you seen the State Farm commercial? It's still running. It's just one of my favorites. Okay, I'm so glad that insurance has finally overtaken beer commercials We're doing good stuff. I'm just really excited about that. But, but the one I'm speaking about is Cheryl. There's a scene of Cheryl and her husband, Victor. And I'm going to tell you, Victor looks anything except like a Victor, okay? I mean... He is standing there in their pajamas with a garden hose in his hand and Cheryl's on the phone to Zach, her state farm agent. And she says, they finally did it. Somebody's burned down my she shed. I'd never heard of a she shed. My wife wants one now. I'm a little nervous about that. (laughs) And you see the fire just, just consuming it. And Victor, with this monotone, discouraged voice, says, Nobody burned down your your she shed. Lightning hit it. And she says, Zach, her her agent, is State Farm going to help me build back my sheer she shed? She's remodeling. You hear that? And the fire's still burning. And Zach says, with a smile on his face, Yes, Cheryl, we're going to help you rebuild. And she tells Victor, standing there with the garden hose in his pajamas, must have been three in the morning. It looked like three in the morning in his face. He says, Zach says, we're going to rebuild my sheer she shed. And he says, sheer shed? Oh, I wish I could say it like he says. He says, that's wonderful news. <laughs> you know, I, we have lit the candle, the first candle of the Advent. I'm telling us something spectacular is about to happen. God is intervening in history, and He's coming to bring redemption, He's coming to bring salvation. What on this earth is more important than that? But sometimes we sing wonderful news. Wonderful news. That's fantastic. Yay. What's more important than that? You know what our danger is, yours and mine. Everything. Everything is more important than that. Everything is more important than that. Wonderful is defined as astonishing. It's defined as magnificent, superb, breathtaking, amazing. Amazing that God would become flesh. I love what the way John starts his gospel when he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you know what he says in that next verse in verse 2? He says, And there was nothing made. Nothing made without him. I don't I can't explain this because I can't explain the Trinity. I've got an earned doctorate degree, and I'm telling you today, I cannot explain the Trinity. That is the mystery of our God, and I'm so glad there's a lot of mystery in our God, that he is so beyond my feeble attempts to figure him out. But here's what I can tell you. When God formed Adam and Eve, when he bent down and and formed that mud into that first man, and he breathed his Breath, the the Hebrew word is ruah. He breathed the breath of life and man became a living spirit. Jesus was right there. And now in Bethlehem, the creator of the world puts on that flesh that he saw Adam become a living soul for you and for me that we might have a way into eternity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God's love, it's amazing. What astonishes us. I was reading this past week. In 1972, NASA launched an exploratory space probe called Pioneer 10. Any of you remember that? Its primary mission was to reach Jupiter, which was a big attempt at that point to photograph the planet and the moons and beam them back to Earth about the magnetic field they were going to measure, radiation belts, atmosphere. Scientists regarded this in 1972 as a bold plan for at that time no Earth satellite had ever gone beyond Mars. And they feared that an asteroid belt would destroy it, the satellite, before it could ever get to Jupiter. But Pioneer 10, it accomplished its mission and much more. Swinging past the giant planet on November of 1973, Jupiter's immense gravity uh, hurled Pioneer 10 into a higher rate of speed toward the edge of our solar system at $1 miles from the sun pioneer 10 10 past Saturn at some 2 billion miles it hurled past Uranus Neptune at nearly 3 billion miles Pluto at almost 4 billion miles by 1997 25 years after it was launched pioneer 10 that little satellite was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. And despite that immense distance, Pioneer 10 continued to beam back radio signals to scientists on Earth. Perhaps most remarkable, writes Gerald, the writer of this article, those signals emanate from an 8-watt transmitter. An 8-watt transmitter which radiates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight. <laughs> and it takes more than 9 hours for that signal when it was at 6 billion miles away to reach the receivers. The little sat- the little satellite that could was not qualified to do what it did. Engineers designed Pioneer 10 with a useful life of just 3 years, but it kept going And going, by simple longevity, its tiny 8-watt transmitter accomplished more than anyone thought possible. Isn't that how it is when we give ourselves to God? You and I, we may think we're not that much in the kingdom. We can't make that big a difference in our community. We might think we can't make that much difference in our home. But God can. That wonderful, wonderful counselor. What astonishes you. There's so much negativity in this world. There's so much wrong in this world. And we don't, it doesn't astonish us like it used to. But it seems that we cover that more often. There's a story about a lady who went to the butcher to buy a chicken for her family. The butcher, he only had one chicken left, and she asked him to weigh it, and it was clear when she got it on the scales that it wasn't going to be adequate for what she needed, and she was hoping for a bigger chicken. So finally, she just asked, well, do you have a bigger chicken? He said, of course I do. No, he didn't, but he went to the back, carried that little chicken with him, got in the back room, stuffed some stuff in that cavity. You know what I'm saying? And he brought it back out. He put it on the scales. And it was much heavier, but still looked kind of scrawny. He he said, is that more like it? She said, no. I tell you what, I'll take both of them. (laughs) What astonishes us. That somebody gets caught trying to get away with something? And then I have to ask myself, what am I trying to get away with with God? This wonderful God who loves me so much. Amazing that this gift that God has given us can change everything. How has your faith changed you? How has my faith changed me? When God stops amazing us, our spiritual growth can suffer. God's wonderful love, that's what the change is. That's where it is. So not only is it astonishing, but it's also in action. Wonderful in action. Extraordinary. Unlike anything else. That might be a good place just to park for a moment is God extraordinary or is he ordinary have we like christmas become accustomed to it has it become routine has it has our walk with god just become something or is it still wonderful when the extraordinary becomes ordinary it loses its power When we fail to give God the energy that he needs in our life, then he can't give us the energy we need in our life. It amazes me how in the last few years we rationalize away God's wonder and it erodes our astonishment. You know, now we have the virtual world. We can create all kinds of things. You can... Put these things on your face and you can suddenly see things and be moving around and you're in 3D. I don't know if I'd like that. I just like to watch people doing that. Have you ever seen that? But now, because of the technology that God has blessed us with, we're hard to be astonished. We're hard to be amazed. When God is at work in our life, We can so rationalize that that it's just the ordinary way. We swap God's biblical model for the world's business model. And we go about the world's business more than God's. We pick and choose as though our walk with God is a menu. And I like some of this and I like some of that, but I don't want any of that and I certainly don't want any of that. Then we become discouraged. He's beyond our understanding. Some say that Jesus, in this day and time, is just a great teacher, he's just better than. Most teachers, we who are Christians say, you know, of all the great minds, all the great teachings, all the great philosophies, all the great religions of the world, we think ours is the best. The others, they're okay. Because we've been inundated in the last, I guess, 40 years. The world got smaller. Globalization, they call it. And suddenly good old folks living where I lived 50, 60 years ago, we didn't know a lot about world religions. We, we were more worried about the difference between Baptists and Methodists. That's really where our world kind of stopped and started, you know. We weren't worrying about Muslims or who would have ever thought that a Hindu temple is coming to Moncure? Who would have ever thought that? Nobody in 1960 but now so what do we say what do we say to our children when they come home and say well at school they said at school they told us about this and at school they and I know these people that their faith's not like our faith and so we're, we're tempted you and I we're tempted to simply say our faith is a good one and we might even say it's the best one but it's just one of many And I would remind us what Paul said. Our faith is either true, and it is the one way to the Father, and there's no other way, or it's all a lie. I love what C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said when he was asked that same question. Here's what he says. I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying that really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said that sort of said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man that says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell you must make your choice either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse you can shut him up for a fool you can spit on him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God but let us not come with any patronite Patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He didn't intend to. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. It brings me to the last point this morning. Not only is he indeed wonderful in action, not only is he wonderful to us and astonishing, but he is our advisor, our counselor. A counselor who listens with wisdom. What do you need to say to God today? Where are we missing the mark we're like that great story I heard so long ago about the king that was on a hunting party with, in his kingdom and he began to find trees with targets painted on the trees and arrows dead in the bullseye. And he found one and then another and then another and then another. And he was astonished. You could tell by the paint it was the same, the same paint, the same person. And every shot was perfect. And so the king said, this man must come and teach us how to shoot. We need to find this archer in our kingdom. And so they began to go, and sooner the men came back, and we said, we found him. He's a 14-year-old boy. Really, the king said, bring him to me. He said, sir, did you shoot these arrows into these trees that I see these targets on everywhere? He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, son, don't lie. Did you genuinely shoot these arrows he said yes sir i shot every one he said son you're the greatest archer in all our kingdom you're amazing tell me how do you do it he said oh it's easy king i just pull back my bow and shoot and when it hits a tree i go and paint a target around the arrow Is that how we're living? Are we just shooting at trees? And then trying to come and bring a little God around it and say, yeah, I know, I know the Bible says that, but I, I really want to... So I'm going to paint a target right here where my arrow hit. And this is how I'm going to say it's good. But you know, you and I, we know that wonderful counselor It's that still small voice. That one that's easy to ignore, that that I must confess today, oftentimes, especially if I feel passionate about something or or I really want to do something, I can so overpower that still small voice that it has no influence, no influence. But when I get quiet, have you ever had somebody say,
2: listen, listen, listen." let's be quiet, be quiet. Listen, listen, listen.
1: Because when we listen, he'll tell us where we're missing the mark, you and I. He'll show us where we're living our life. And we've gotten too much of the world's model and not enough of the biblical model. He'll show us. A counselor can only help us when we share the truth with that counselor. You can go to a counselor and you can tell them all kinds of things that aren't true. And they may give you advice about what is false. But it won't affect the truth in your life. It is this honesty, this whole truth living. Oh, we're good at partial truths, aren't we? I am. And I can convince myself that I didn't miss the mark at all. It's fine what I'm doing. It's fine the way I'm living. It's fine the decisions that I'm making. It's fine the choices that I'm choosing. They're fine. Look, I can show you other people making worse choices than I'm making. Mine have got to be okay. Listen, you can understand that, that it's okay because look at how the world is. The world's not like it used to be. Bring me some paint. I'll just paint a target right around my lifestyle and I'll call it okay and to some they'll think I'm better than I am you know that great hymn we sing just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me O Lamb of God I wonder today what does the Holy Spirit need to do in our life yours and mine is that a fair question what does the Holy Spirit need to do would you like to see revival break out in Flat Springs Baptist Church? Would that be good? Would you like to see people getting saved every Sunday? Would that be good? Would you like to see families being built up in a different way than the culture? Would that be good? Would you like to see your heart change when you go to work this week and suddenly it looked different, although it's the same? It feel different, although it might be the same set of circumstances? Would you like, Would you like to see that? Would that be good? Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. What's God's Spirit saying to us today? What choices, decisions could we make today that could change tomorrow? Would we listen to the wonderful counselor? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in this moment of choice, in this moment of decision, your still small voice is speaking. Lord, forgive me for all the times I've drowned it out. For all the times I've spoken louder or faster or longer. Of times I've heard it clearly but ignored it because it was such a difficult assignment. And it was a change I just couldn't get energy to want to do. But today, I'm being reminded for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government of my life, the ruling of my life is upon his shoulders. And his name is a wonderful counselor. Oh Lord, what are you saying to us? And what shall we say to you? Our invitation is that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of decision this morning is page 95. Go and tell it on the mountain. I want to tell you today that the altar is open. That God is in the power of changing hearts and lives. He has as much power to change our hearts and lives as he did those shepherds who first heard. But like those shepherds We've got to go from where we are to where he is. Where do you need to go? Do you need to come and kneel at this altar and pray? The Holy Spirit waits for you here. Do you need to come and make a public decision? The Holy Spirit waits. Do you need right where you are to say, Oh Lord, I hear your voice. I hear your voice today, today's the day today's the day as we stand together and sing. I do want to say a special word of thanks to everyone who decorated and uh, we we saved you the excitement of the reeds going up on the the, uh, speakers there, but they'll be here when you come back next Sunday. And as you come back uh, next Sunday evening for our children's programs, the lights of the Christmas tree will be shining brightly as well. And as we have decorated our sanctuary, now may we decorate our homes and our hearts In our lives. We need some help. If any could help us move the pulpit furniture. Immediately following to get ready. For the children's program. Then we would would appreciate your assistance. In that regard. And now. As we leave this place. May we do so in God's peace. And in his power. And in his abiding presence. That we might be his wonderfully. Counseled people. In the midst of all his people. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we close this service, I want to thank you for every decision that was made, for every commitment that a husband or a wife made, or a father or a mother made, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, a child to their parents. And I pray, God, you would strengthen us And embolden us to make those decisions that we've made to you that we would pray often this week. Lord, now you help me to make those decisions. And Lord, forgive us for any decision we should have made. But we chose not to. And Lord, let us know that even at this moment, if some decision comes to our mind, It's not too late. That we can simply say to you, God, this is where I need to make the adjustments. This is where the priorities need to be different. This is where the habits need to be broken. This is where I need to receive your wonderful counsel. And we do it gladly. And we do it to your glory. Go with us now from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.